Welcome to King Solomon and the Stoics, a project of denverkolel.org. In this episode, we're going to discuss creative thinking, how to transcend complacency, how to see the roadblocks in our lives and see past them by reimagining the possibilities, by being inspired to look to new vistas. How can we accomplish that? How can we get past complacency, that enemy of sustained growth? John Cotter, in his biography of Kanasuku Matasashta, who founded Matasashta Electric, which um, has about $65 billion a year of revenue. Kanasuku was 82 in the year 1977. He promoted an unlikely person to be the new CEO, the new president of the company. This new fellow's name was Yamashita, or something to that effect, and he was the 25th in the pecking order of the company, and yet he was promoted to the top. And the reason why he was promoted to the top was because he had a tendency to speak his opinion, and his opinion was often at odds with the generally accepted approach, and he was not subservient to the founder of the company. He had his own opinion, and he wasn't afraid to voice it. And he went ahead and he really shook up the company. And he brought new growth, new possibility to the already very, very successful company. Because growth can sometimes create complacency. Success can create complacency. And the ability to withstand, the ability to live in doubt, the ability to live with the anxiety of the unknown is vital. It is the one crucial component of the ability to think creatively, the ability to transcend complacency. The 19th century poet John Keats had a term for this. He called it negative capability. Robert Greene in his book Mastery explains that in Keats' view, a person needed to embrace uncertainty. A person needed to look at the world, at their circumstances, or whatever it was, in a way that they appreciated the complexity, that they appreciated the paradox, that they appreciated the troublesome aspects of reality, and to mull over that, to be able to live with uncertainty, to be able to live with the anxiety of the unknown, thereby leading a person to be able to see things in a brand new light. Because if we're certain that we understand what we're looking at, there's no way we're ever going to see beyond the superficial. But if we see that we don't understand, that we see the problems, we see the paradox, we see the contradictions, we don't have a narrative that explains the whole thing in a nice, neat, way and that we can tie with a nice bow and put it on the shelf. We don't know. We don't know. We are uncertain. That creates anxiety. But Keats explained that in order to embrace the unknown, a person needed to negate their ego. Because our ego wants to be able to explain reality. It wants to be able to have a handle on things. It wants to be able to say, I'm so smart, I figured this out. But with ego negation, with humility, we can embrace the unknown. When we embrace the unknown, we can then relook at reality. We can then notice new connections between things. We can see things in an inspired way. We can get past complacency. We can imagine new vistas, new opportunities. And we can really achieve sustained growth. Rabbi Moshe Shapiro once said that a, we watch a young child, a baby turn to a toddler and so on. The growth is incredible. From six months, three months, start from walking to talking. It's just incredible that the transformation that the child undergoes. Rabbi Shapiro said we have that capacity throughout life, and yet we check out. As soon as we're competent enough to walk and talk, as soon as we're socially competent enough to go out into the world, as soon as we've mastered our job so that we can make a living, 
as soon as we've done that, we check out and we just go on autopilot. And that's sad because the human being is capable of sustained growth. The human being is capable of sustained transformation, reaching ever new heights. How can we do this? Let's tap into King Solomon's inspiration in the beginning of chapter 8 of Ecclesiastes Kohelet. Verses 1 through 4. In verse 1, Solomon says, Who's like the wise man? And who knows the explanation of the matter? Now, as we explained in a previous episode, the word wise, the Hebrew word for wise is chachma, which the Kabbalists explain if you divide it into two, it means koachma, the power of what? And it's exactly this idea, to be able to embrace the what. Because the truth is that things, life, circumstances, objects, whatever it might be, don't present their deeper nature to you at first glance. What you see at first glance is the superficial. You need to appreciate there's something deeper here. And in order to tap into the depth, you need to be able to embrace the uncertainty. You need, be, need, need to be able to love the question, what? You need to be able to look at the thing with wonder, with amazement. That's the power of a chacham. Of, of a chacham. That's the power of chachma, of wisdom. Rashi explains, the great commentator to the Torah explains that wisdom, the, this Hebrew word chachma, is that which someone receives from another. It's what comes from beyond. It relates to transcendence. It's inspiration. It comes from the outside. But a person needs to open themselves up to that inspiration. And the first step is ego negation. The first step is humility. In our terminology, in Torah terminology, we call that fear of God. The ability to stand before God and recognize our insignificance in the face of the omnipotent, in the face of the Almighty, in the face of the infinite. And that's where the deepest humility comes from, as we'll see in just a bit. This is the Chacham. This is the person that Solomon says, who's like the wise man who can embrace the what? who can wonder, who can be amazed, who can search for the true essence of things. But Solomon continues, is who can explain, who can resolve the matter? Meaning the end goal is not to live in a constant state of what, in a constant state of wonder and amazement, but to take that, move it to a place of understanding, to be able to look at the world with wonder, and then to turn around and use that amazement and that wonder to bring new connections between different things and to be able to create a new narrative that leads to inspired living. And again, once we do that, we encounter more complacency, more roadblocks. We need to go back again to the point of what? To the point of wonder, to the point of complexity, to the point of confusion. And again, we work and slowly we gain inspiration and we're able to create a new narrative, a slightly more nuanced narrative than the one before. And now we have new inspiration to live, to apply what we've learned. And the cycle continues forever. It's a never-ending virtuous cycle that is available to us. But the process is from being a wise person to eventually resolving the matter. As Solomon says, who's like the one who can resolve the matter? Solomon continues and says, the wisdom of a man enlightens his face. Because the face is where the deeper elements of a person's soul, of their personality, interact with the outside world. If you look at a person and you want to get a sense of their mood, you want to get a sense of something deeper about the person, you look at their face, you look at their expression, you look at their eyes. On the person's face, 
there's an expression of what's deep within. And it's very difficult sometimes to bring forth that depth and bring it out into the world, express it on one's, through one's expressions, through one's words. But the person who's mastered the ability to bring forth the spiritual, to bring forth the depth and to express it in the world, he's mastered the amazement, he's mastered both the stage of wonder, of tapping into the transcendent and bringing it, developing it into a narrative that can be applied. That person is the person whose wisdom shines on their face. Their deeper wisdom is expressed and it can be sensed on the outside, on the, on the external. Solomon concludes the verse and says, this person has a, two ways to understand it, a brazen or a strong countenance. And he's different. He embraces difference. He doesn't have a problem being the lone voice because he recognizes that most people, many people are stuck in complacency. Many people are stuck in the superficiality. But this person knows that they've tapped into inspiration. They know that they've tapped into something beyond and brought it down and, be, and translated it into a narrative that makes sense, that's given them new insight, a new approach to a problem, a new opinion on something. They don't flinch. They don't shrink back in fright by the fact that their approach is unique. And so they have a brazen, a strong face, but it's also different. It's a unique approach, a unique perspective. Perhaps face in this context can refer to perspective, a unique perspective. But it also, the word used for different, for the uniqueness of this person's approach, can also be read to refer to hatred. Because sometimes a person needs to be aware and they need to be careful who, what they express to who. Because sometimes when a person has a unique approach, when a person has a different approach, one that comes from a place of inspiration, very often that leads to ridicule, very often that leads to hatred. Because people who are stuck in complacency do not like when someone comes in, shakes it up and says, let's embrace the anxiety of the unknown. To the person whose ego is desperately holding on to the clear defined explanation that they've held on to for the last 30 years, that person is threatened by newness. That person is threatened by difference. That person is threatened by uniqueness. And so if a person is going to tap into inspired living and they're going to see the world in a different way, they need to recognize that their perspective may at times be at odds with the rest of their colleagues, with the rest of the people they come into contact with. They need to be prepared for opposition. And again, they need to know how to say what to who, and when it's best to just say nothing and keep it inside, but they need to be prepared for opposition. Now, Solomon gives us an incredible tool, one that is often overlooked in verse 2, and he says, I guard the mouth of the king and the matter of the oath that we took to God. And Solomon is giving us a new insight here into something I think is often overlooked. In the 18th and 19th century, there were certain groups that cast aspersions and maligned the idea of halacha, the idea of Jewish law, of ritual law, of all the all-embracing law of the Torah. And they began to paint it in a very legalistic, ritualistic, rigid, mindless terms. And nothing could be further from the truth. Salman's telling us, you want to tap into transcendence, you want to tap into inspired living? Here's the path. It's called guarding the word of God. Because when we act always on our understanding, we can't help but be stuck in complacency. We can't help 
but get stuck in our rigid thinking patterns? The answer is an allegiance to something beyond you. When we pledge allegiance, when we take on responsibilities that we may or may not understand, we're not doing them because we invented them. We're doing them because it comes from a place of transcendence, because the Torah, the divine word of God, relates that this is the proper thing to do, and it, must, it should be done at this time, this way. And we may or may not understand exactly why the details are such and such. What results is not mind-numbing, complacent, ritualistic behavior. What results is inspired living. What results is a person who knows there's something beyond himself who's willing to submit, who's willing to let go of their rigid thinking patterns, they're willing to let go of their opinions and realize there's something greater than they. That itself, living that way itself, can open up a person's mind, can open up a person's heart, can bring a person to new heights, to new levels. It's the beauty of living a life that is not dictated always by your own reason, by your own sense. Certainly, there's a time and place for living with your own reason, for deciding when to do what. Of course, we all have large parts of our lives that we need to choose. As we'll see in a moment, Solomon gets back to that. That we need to choose, we need to decide, we need to define. But by living with an allegiance to something beyond you, you open up the road to transcendence. You open up the road to creativity. You open up the road, as we'll see, to ego negation, to true humility. It's not just about me. Solomon goes on to say in verse 3, Do not be bewildered to say, and I'm adding a couple of words to make the, to the verse flow, to say, I will run away from the countenance, from the being in the presence of God. Don't stay. Don't stand in a bad, in a ra, is the Hebrew word, an evil place. Anything you desire, you can do. What's Solomon talking about? Solomon's going back to our point of negative capability, to borrow John Keats' words. Negative capability, the ability to embrace the unknown. Solomon's saying, don't be bewildered by it. When you stand before God, you are embracing the fact that you are egoless. You're completely naked before God. There's nothing. You're not holding on to anything. And that is a bewildering place to stand. What gives us comfort often is our ego, which says, no, I got this. When you stand before God, there's no, I got this. It's embracing the unknown in the deepest level. It's true fear of God. And says Solomon, don't be bewildered by it. Don't run away from it to go stand in something evil. And the Hebrew word is ra, which means something cut off. Don't go stand in your rigid, egocentric, thought patterns, and descriptions of reality. Don't get stuck on those, although they may provide you with comfort. Those are ra. They're evil in the sense that the word ra means cut off. They don't arrive at the true conclusion. They don't bring you to the ultimate purpose. They are superficial, although they may seem wonderful, but upon further reflection, our rigid thinking patterns, our egocentric perspectives, don't get us to where we need to go. And so Solomon says, don't be bewildered. Allow yourself to embrace the unknown. Don't be bewildered to stand before God without any of your egocentric thoughts. Don't be bewildered. Don't get stuck in those rigid thinking patterns. And he concludes by saying, anything you want to do, you can do. Don't tell yourself it's too hard. Don't sell, you, don't sell yourself short. Know that you have the capability. You have the ability to transcend. You have the ability 
to be bigger, to be greater. It's up to you to let go of that ego. It's up to you to be willing to embrace humility, to be willing to embrace the unknown. And finally, in the verse that we will conclude with, Solomon says in verse 4, Because the word of the king is the rule. The word of the king rules. And who will tell him what to do? And on a simple level, this is obviously referring to God. God rules, and his word is the final, final word. But on another level, Solomon's telling us to think of ourselves as rulers. Because we are meant to emulate God. We need to be rulers. We need to take our words And we need to take those words and we need to define our reality. We need to create a narrative to our reality. And that narrative needs to be built on an embrace, on a humble embrace of the unknown. And it's up to us. It's up to us to define the circumstances. It's up to us to define the world. Don't let the world define you. Don't let the media define you. Don't let the people around you define you. You are the ruler. You and you alone have it in your power to define reality. And the way to do that, Solomon's telling us, is through negative capabilities, through ego negations, through deep humilities, through fear of God, through standing before God naked and egoless. King David, in his most incredible psalm, says in Psalm 25, verse 12, He who fears God, who is the man who fears God? He will be guided along the proper path. If you want to find the way, you want to find something that is transcendent, something that allows you to get past the complacent living that so many of us are plagued with. You need to fear God. You need to let go. You need to embrace the unknown. You need to embrace the fact that you're not in charge. And that opens up completely new worlds, completely new vistas, a sustained path to growth, a sustained path to inspired living.